This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 66 of a Clean Skate podcast, a Dallas Stars podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Networks. And ladies and gentlemen, we are in the thick of playoff hockey. We are now four games deep at the time I'm recording this in the Dallas Stars-Calgary Flames series, and we are going to be breaking down every single one of those games today, as well as a little look ahead to the remaining games in the series with a special guest, Brad Baroud from the Flames Unfiltered podcast, will be joining us later in the episode to break down game four specifically and to look at the games ahead. But before I get to that, I think we should go ahead and go through games one through three so we know how we got to game four. And then uh, we will get over to that interview and we will hear my thoughts on how the Stars played and hopefully what the Stars need to do to, uh, you know, take this series home and uh, move on to the second round of the playoffs. Let's start with game one. Uh, This is the first game of the series, very obviously. We've got Anton Hudobin starting in this one. Uh, Seems like Bishop is still a little banged up and not ready to play. So Anton Hudobin will be getting his start in the playoffs here for this one versus Cam Talbot. So interesting enough, uh, you see the backups on both teams specifically starting in this one. And it seems like Talbot will be the flame starter going forward, which is an interesting choice. Uh, I thought we'd see but nope, it is uh, just Cam Talbot. And unfortunately, it seems that the Stars were not ready in Game 1. They were absolutely shelled in the first 10 minutes. Anton Hudobin was stellar in the first 10 minutes of Game 1. And then Dubé scores his second of the postseason on the power play just under 10 minutes into the first period. You know, Mikel Backlund enters the zone with speed. He dishes it off to Lucic, who had holed up after he'd crossed the line. He throws a cross seam pass to Dubé who hits a one-timer past Anton Hudobin and to give the Flames the one nothing lead and to score the first goal of the series. Dubé would then score again his third with just a minute and 58 seconds left in the first period. He flies through the neutral zone and then makes a great move on Sekera, drives hard to the net and scores. Sekera looked really old and really slow on this play and I'm going to get more into Andre Sekera once I get through the first three games because I have some words about how I feel about Andre Sekera right now after watching four games so far. Corey Perry and Matthew Kachuk uh, did have a fight. Um, I'm not really going to get into it. We touch a little bit on it later in the episode during the interview, uh, but it was uh, not a great fight. Neither of them are necessarily known for their fighting. They're more known for being pests. So, uh, you know, it, it, it was whatever, but they did fight, which I was surprised to see right out of the bat in game one. 
And, you know, Kachuk took a little bit of a beating in this game as well. He was throwing some big hits, but man, the boys were also not afraid to lay the body on him as well. We go into the first intermission. The shots are 12 to 7 for Calgary after the first period, and it was just a really sloppy first period by the Stars overall. And, you know, that's sort of what we've come to expect so far, uh, you know, at the point of watching, you know, just game one, we've seen, you know, about six games played and the Stars have not looked very good in all six except for their one win to bump up to the third seed. But at the beginning of the second, the Stars are able to rein in a little bit and they are able to stay, take more control of the game. And then Denis Gurionov scores his first of the postseason with just 9.08 left in the second period. It's an absolute great cycle. The boys put them on spin cycle for this one. It comes up to... Gurionov, who had switched with Heiskin up at the point, he throws a shot that hits off of a Flames defenseman, hits him off the butt, and it goes past Talbot to give the Flames just the 2-1 lead now. And then just nine seconds later, Jamie Benn scores his first of the postseason. He throws just a muffin at the net through traffic, and it squeaks through Talbot to tie the game up at two. Unfortunately, with just 3.59 left in the second period, Anderson would score his second of the postseason, as he, you know, sort of just picks the puck up through the neutral zone. He was going to throw an easy low shot on Hudobin. It ramps up off of Sakara's stick and goes high blocker side past Hudobin to give the Flames the 3-2 lead. The shots after two are 19-18 for Calgary. The third period was pretty back and forth, but the Stars are just unable to find the back of the net, and they lose this one 3-2 and go down one nothing in the series. The shots at the end of the game are 26-26. The Stars go 0-2 on the power play and 0-4-1 on the penalty kill. Moving right along to Game 2, this one, Ben Bishop would return to the net for the Stars. So we've got Ben Bishop versus Cam Talbot in this one. And 19 seconds into the game, Dylan Dubé scores his fourth of the postseason, his third of the series. It's a point shot that is blocked from getting to the net in front. It then deflects off the end boards and right back to the slot. And Dubé is able to get to the rebound first and put it past Bishop to give the Flames the one nothing lead very early in. Fortunately enough for us, just a few minutes later, just 2.42 into the first period, Alexander Radulov scores. It's a point shot from Jamie Benn. There's a big scramble in front. Radulov then kind of throws it at the net on his backhand. It deflects then off another Flames defender and past Talbot to give the Stars the 1-1 tie. Then later in the period, Mira Heiskinen would score his first of the postseason, it's really strong work out of the Stars zone. Radulov is able to pressure the defenseman, come up with the puck, throw a puck to Heiskanen, who's streaking down the zone, calling for the pass. He's in alone on Talbot, and he snipes it far side on him to give the Stars the 2-1 lead. Interesting uh, enough, actually, Matthew Kachuk would leave this second period with what seemed to be a lower body injury. He, uh, he took a stick to the groin from Jamie Benn. Uh, we touch a, a little bit more on that as well in the interview later. And I, I, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I don't think he did it on purpose. I'll get to my reasoning a little later as well. But then later in the game, you know, Kachuk would take a Jamie sandwich. He took a heavy hit where he got sandwiched between Ben and Alexiak. And that is a lot of man right there. And he left the game and... Uh, did not return. He didn't play in the other two games, and he's questionable if he will even be able to make it 
in the rest of this series for the Flames. So a huge loss for the Flames. And honestly, I'm glad Kachuk is gone. I mean, you never want to see a player get hurt, but I just am really glad the Stars do not have to deal with that added extra element of Matthew Kachuk. The Stars, however, with the 2-1 lead, would take that lead to the first intermission. The shots are 14-7 for the Stars after that. Then, just 4.50 into the second period, Miro Heiskanen scores his second of the postseason and second of the game. He just throws a muffin at the net that goes past Talbot. He was caught napping a little bit. He did not look very sharp on this one. And we are able to take a two-goal lead up 3-1. Then, with seven minutes left in the second, Derek Forbert again just a lot of point shots that are just being tossed at the net. Not even necessarily by defenseman. This one was by a defenseman, and it goes by Bishop. He looked like he never saw it, and the Flames creep to within one. It is now 3-2. Corey Perry would score with 4.55 left in the second period on the power play. It's worked around to Hints. Hints then rips a shot that is stopped. Perry gets multiple whacks at it and is able to bury it eventually, and the Stars regain the two-goal lead up 4-2 going into the third period. The shots are 29-15 to for the Stars. Early in the third period, there is an absolute crazy scramble in front of the Stars net. At one point, Bishop goes into a two-pad stack, gets the save, and then it seems like Andrew Mangiapani had scored, but they call the goal back with a distinct kicking motion, and there were, there's been some interesting calls so far. This one I wasn't sure of. Obviously, I'll take it because the Stars got the goal called back against them, so you know they didn't concede a goal. But it was an iffy call for me. Mangiapane seemed to be, you know, getting hauled down, and he can't really help if feet are flailing like that if he's falling to the ice. But they call it no goal, and the Stars keep their two-goal lead. Unfortunately, while on the power play, the Stars give up a shorthanded goal. Toby Reader scores his second of the postseason and second shorthanded goal of the postseason with 7:36 in the second period. Klingberg can't hold the line, and Reader's got some good wheels. He blows by him and beats Bishop Blocker side. Sam Bennett would then score on the power play, his third of the season, to tie the game up at 4, 2.49 left in the game. The puck is worked around and then shot on net from Lindholm. It's a really good shot pass. It's deflected by Bennett. He's got a good, strong stick and is able to put it past Bishop. And the Stars all of a sudden have collapsed, and they've watched another third-period lead dissolve away. And, you know, a multiple goal lead as well. Luckily for us, with 39 seconds left, it's a turnover in the neutral zone by the Flames. Good entry into the zone by Pavelski, Yanmark, and Perry. They're able to drop pass back to Perry. Perry sees Alexiak sneaking into the back door. He threads a perfect pass, and he's able to tap it in past Talbot to give the Stars the 5-4 lead. And that is where the game would end. The Stars evening the series at one. The final shots are 36 to 26 for Dallas. They went one for four on the power play and three for four on the penalty kill. So both teams exchanging just one power play goal in this one. And then the final game before we get to our interview, game three. This one, Talbot versus Hudobin again. Bishop uh, was not super great in game two he seemed a little shaky to me and I don't know if he was hurt or not and it's come out later now he didn't even dress for game four he's still been deemed unfit to play so I really think we'll probably see Hudobin for the rest of this series and if the Stars can win it we might see Bishop then in the next series but 
you know what? Hudobin's been pretty good for us. There's been a few of them I definitely would have hoped he'd been able to get back, especially after game three and four. But I, I think what we've seen from Hudobin so far has, has been enough for me to be confidently say he's probably going to start the rest of this series versus the Flames. Anyway, in game three, Tyler Sagan hits the post very early. Sagan definitely had some jump in this one. He's gotten better as the series goes along, though he, he has not been able to find the back of the net just yet. But one concerning thing I've been noticing with the Stars is they've been giving up a lot of opportunities while they are on the power play, and that is not very good. Tyler Sagan would hit another post in the first period of this one, and the shots would finish up 11-8 for Calgary after the first period, tied at zero. Then 5.58 into the second period, like I was saying, on the power play, Mikhail Backlund scores a shorthanded goal, his third of the postseason. Hintz loses it at the line. He then drives the net and sort of just pushes the puck on net. It's it's a good, strong move, and Hudobin seemed to have saved it, and then it like sat on his pad and fell down off of his pad, and he was right on the line, so the puck crossed the line, and it, just, it was kind of a wonky one. And again, that's one where you'd hope Hudobin would save that one, but I really can't blame Hudobin because they got a chance while the Stars were on the power play. And this is the second straight game that the Stars have allowed a shorthanded goal. The Stars, however, even with the one-goal deficit now, they are able to control play. Klingberg misses a wide-open net on the power play. And we head to the second period intermission down by one. We go into the third, and the Stars are just peppering Talbot. Talbot has made some few outstanding saves in game three and then TJ Brody scores his first of the postseason less than 10 minutes left in the game he picks the puck off the boards walks the middle and just absolutely smashes the puck past Hudobin who never saw it through traffic and we actually we get the perfect Hudobin meme for this one because as the puck has gone in one of the Flames players falls and hits Hudobin knocking his helmet off and there's just a great screen capture of Hudobin on the ice with his helmet looking at the ref just an utter befuddlement and disappointment that they've scored like you can just see the pain behind Hudobin's eyes and it, it honestly it hurt to see Hudobin like that because Dobby's played well and I just I don't know I got a soft spot for him but the stars are unable to crack Cam Talbot and the final shots are 35 to 23 Dallas goes 0 for 4 on the power play but they're able to kill both of the Flames power plays as well but they do give up a shorthanded goal in this one again and they are down 2-1 in the series then moving on to game four listen we're going to talk about it I'm going to get us over to the interview with Brad real quick but I just wanted to sum up some of the big points first Joe Pavelski opens the scoring in this one. It's the first time the Stars have scored first since hockey has returned. Stars are shelling Talbot. They allow another shorthanded goal. This is the third game in a row that they've allowed a shorthanded goal. They then have a tying goal called back for goaltender interference, and Pavelski completes a hat trick on the game-tying goal with 11.8 seconds left, and John Klingborg would win the game in overtime to tie the series at two. That is obviously just a very quick rundown. I hit on a lot of pretty crazy things, and I'm, I know all of you guys listening to this are, you know, you, you guys watch the game, so you guys know what happened, but I just want to let you know that there, there, were some, there was some craziness in this game. But without further ado, I will take us over to the interview this week with Brad Brood from the Flames Unfiltered podcast to talk about Game 4 and the rest of the series. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey there. Have you ever thought to yourself, I really like hockey, and I'd love a show to listen to, but I also don't have enough nonsense in my life. And questionable opinions. Huh. 
I got the show for you, bud. And there's some really, really thirsty person in that group, okay? That will be like, I'll give you $7 for that lemonade. And the $2 person is like, whoa, okay, walking away. That person's crazy. That is exactly what happens in free agency all the time. And that is a really good metaphor. And if you don't appreciate it, put the phone down. And get out of here. We don't want you around. You can't say, hey, you tripped this guy, but also he dove. Well, if he dove, I didn't trip him. If you're a goalie, just, you know, chill. You don't have to do as much as you think you need to do. But also we talk about hockey. So go check out Siren Sounder, a Canes podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes every Monday and after every playoff game during the playoffs. Let's go Canes! Hi, uh, thanks for having me. Crazy game we just watched. Yeah, just finished the 5-4 overtime win in game four for the Dallas Stars. And yeah, it was, uh, I don't even know how you describe that game. Um, kind of a, a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, uh, boy, I had feelings like at any moment uh, Dallas was going to break away and score three or four. And I had many moments where I thought, Calgary was going to break away and score three or four in that game. And, uh, yeah, 100-plus shot attempts for the Dallas Stars. Um, a ridiculous amount of shots on net for both. Both goaltenders actually had to play well. And it doesn't look like it would have been in a 5-4. But, uh, yeah, really interesting game today. Yeah, over 100 shots combined between both teams. It, it was a good game with both your goaltenders can allow five and four goals respectively and respectively, and still finish with over a, a, a .9 save percentage. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. I think both coaches will probably be <laughs> pissed after that game. Um, I, I don't know that I, I had – I don't know, maybe you disagree with me on this. I – I thought there was times that Dallas looked awful, and I thought there was times that Dallas looked amazing. I thought there was times that Calgary looked amazing, and I thought there was times that Calgary looked god-awful. But I do know that uh, if you allow 50 shots on net, uh, you're not usually going to win a hockey game. Yeah, I, you're definitely right. I mean, both teams looked on and off. I think the Stars um, looked pretty good, honestly. The the end of the th- Honestly, most of the third period and into overtime, I felt like the Stars played pretty well. But there there were just some moments for, for both teams where it was just like, what are you doing? Like this, it was like turnover after turnover in the neutral zone for both teams. You know, like, and I feel like that's what sort of feeds into both teams' games. It, it, it's really about possession. And, you know, if you keep turning over the puck and you're allowing the team to turn on you and, and get like those rushes on you, I like it really, it, it, it just feeds into the other team's counterattack. So the, the less turnovers you can have, the better uh, your team's going to play. And it seemed to be the way in this one, uh, the stars would get into like a cycle of just trying to, you know, defend and then they lose the puck in the neutral zone and the flames would get into a cycle where they'd be trying to defend and they'd be losing the puck in the neutral zone. And it just, it leads to a lot of like, contained pressure for both teams yeah you know and in the overtime i thought once that dallas uh goodrow had two good chances in overtime and hudobin made good saves on both of them and i thought once dallas got past those um scoring chances for the flames they just kind of buckled down and kind of took charge of the overtime and i felt like uh 
honestly, it was just kind of a matter of time before uh, a shot was going to squeak through from the point because it seems like um, that's the way the Dallas cars store goals. <laughs> yeah, it, it it definitely seemed to be. I don't know. Th- I feel like the stars were getting had better chance or the flames had some better grade a chances. Like they were like the, the flames I thought had more dangerous looks at the net. Whereas the stars maybe had, were going for, you know, quantity over quality uh, in, they were just throwing everything at Talbot, which I think is why you see maybe the shot totals skewed a little bit differently. Yeah. I think, I think I would agree with that. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit here and let's talk the series as a whole. Um, we saw Hudobin in game one, which resulted in a loss for the Stars. And we saw Bishop in Game 2, which resulted in a win. Um, kind of thought we'd see Bishop in Game 3, and uh, we saw Hugh Dobin. And then today, um, Bishop not even dressed. Um, how how does that impact the Stars? Um, it's kind of a crazy question now that we're asking after Hugh Dobin had a pretty good game in my mind, although I thought he looked a little shaky early on. Um, all in all, a, a pretty good game, but... Um, when you look at what's left of this series, we're down to a best of three now. And how important is it to have Bishop back? Or, or do you feel more comfortable just riding heat open from there on out? So I know the Stars won their one game with Bishop and Net. But you, you got to remember the Stars had a lead in that game. They had a two-goal lead in that one, right? And, and the Flames tied it 4-4. And then we won it with uh, 30 seconds left. So I wouldn't say Bishop played phenomenally. I, I don't wouldn't think he either. Was, I don't think he grabbed the net away from Hudobin, and he didn't. Like, he was deemed unfit to play the last two games, and then, like you said, he didn't even dress today. So I think obviously there's still some health concerns about him, and it's one of those things that's like he didn't. Like I said, he he didn't like you know hit it out of the park with his win uh, on when was that Thursday. Um, but I, I think that Hudobin has played well enough. And e- if there is even any doubt or question about Bishop's health, you start Hudobin. Like you don't even hesitate if, if there's even a slight concern. No, I would agree. Um, I've always liked Hudobin. Actually, I kind of wanted Calgary to go out and get him um, when, when they were looking and when they actually ended up getting Talbot. Um, I, I thought he's been fine. I, I think he's had his moments where he uh, looked a little shaky, but I, I think in Talbot has had his moments, especially in uh, uh, game two that looked a little shaky. I'm getting all mixed up on my games now. It seems like it's been a whirlwind of games when we've had, what, four games now in like five and a half days. It's uh, yeah. cra- crazy amount of hockey. These guys got to be got to be really tired after this one. Now, Tyler Sagan, who is really thought to be – the Dallas Stars' biggest sniper has really been snake bit in this series, and uh, he has hit the post I don't even know how many times. As a matter of fact, I don't know that there's a team that hits the post more than Dallas. Now, today they weren't uh, – They I don't, I don't know they hit the – Lindell hit one from the – hit the crossbar today, but um, as a whole, not as many today. But, boy, we saw a lot of posts in game two and three. Is there a reason um, that you can come up with that Sagan is having a little bit of struggles in this series? Uh, I just think it's 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 a it's a boost of confidence. I think he's a, a big confidence player. And listen, I thought he looked good today. I thought he's looked good in the last two games. Um, honestly, they haven't really been doing a ton offensively, but they reunited Ben Radulov and Sagan. And I thought the last few games they've had some pretty good jump in their step. They've they've started to realize that you know, hey, maybe we're not going to score the prettiest goals, but 
the, the, Jamie Ben is still banging and crashing. Radulov's throwing his weight around, and they're they're attacking with speed, which I think is really all you can ask them to. And then it comes down to you know maybe they're forcing passes a little bit too much. They're gripping the stick a little too tight, and they're just not playing with confidence. They they haven't they didn't have a great season. They came off of right. Everyone was talking about the break might break up momentum, but for them they didn't really have any momentum. So I guess they're just trying to generate momentum now and Sagan got a couple points today which was his first since we've had hockey back so I'm hoping that you know they're able to get off the schneid a little bit because man we could use them yeah you know when this series started if you would have asked me who I feared the most on Dallas I I probably would have said Sagan Um, what's crazy now with four games in the books if you ask me what player on the Dallas Stars forward group is scaring me the most i would say Corey perry and <laughs> that to me is a bad sign for dallas um cory perry's not brought in to be that threat but i feel like he's been a threat and has been very effective all playoffs long well i think and especially in this one i mean I, I like to talk about the Pavelski and Perry trade or, you know, acquisitions together that they, they sort of were bringing in the same sort of, uh, you know, ideas and what game style that we were looking for, you know, that, that veteran leadership, I I've sort of talked that point all year about why we made those moves. And the, you know, this is when like we expect those moves to pay off, right? Pavelski didn't have a great regular season. Perry didn't have a great regular season, but to be fair, we didn't acquire them so they could have an outstanding regular season. We acquired them so that they can have really good games and they can show us what to do. And we can look to them for leadership in these games, not regular season games. And so Pavelski went out and had a hat trick. Like that is, I, I, I don't notice Pavelski a lot but he's somehow still scoring goals and Corey Perry is being Corey Perry. And in the weirdest twist of fate, I am now cheering for Corey Perry. I'm not. I hate <laughs> yeah. Corey Perry. I always hate I, Corey Perry. I, I understand. Um, you know, Pavalski, you mentioned him and his hat trick today and an impressive outing for him in game four. But prior to game four, I thought that Pavalski was pretty much a no show. Um, where did that surprise you and where do you see him um do you see him picking up where he left off in game four and game five um i'd like to i'm on i'm really glad one of his goals today came on the power play um i think that is a spot where we expected him to be better in the regular season and into these playoffs our power play hasn't been outstanding and you know i and he plays on the big power play line with ben sagan and radulov so it's sort of if if that unit is going to get going and they're going to get going offensively they got to use each other so those three guys all need to get it right ben sagan and and, uh, radulov need to get together and i think that you know i'm hoping today he's able to build off that and we can bring in that momentum you know again i think it's this game's all about confidence sometimes. And if you don't play with confidence, uh, you're not going to have good games. And I think hopefully they're able to build off of today's, you know, overtime win that that's a big morale booster and Pavelski's hat trick. And I'm hoping they're able to take some of that and actually use it coming into the next game. But the problem with the stars that I've found all season is you never know what stars you're going to get. It's that consistency that's been lacking all season. Uh, you, you don't like come this next coming game. I'm hoping they're going to play well, but they could come out and play just as flat as they did in game one. 
I know, and I and say, and I feel the same with Calgary. It's like um, all year it was uh, my worry every night when Calgary played is like, what Flames team's going to show up, and then. Um, I had that same apprehension when we started our series against Winnipeg, and then we pretty much, for the most part, rolled Winnipeg and had good outings all but one night. And I thought, wow, do we have a team that can play consistency? Um, we come out in game one. I thought we had a pretty good showing in game one. And then I thought we were really awful in game two and in game three. In game three, Calgary wins this game two to nothing. And honestly, I thought it was Calgary's worst game of the series. Um it had to be frustrating for Dallas and, and yourself um, seeing Calgary playing so bad and you guys struggling so much to get the puck past hell. But um, we've talked about this series being a, a roller coaster of emotions. That had to be a very, a very frustrating loss. Well, I think, first of all, hats off to Cam Talbot. Like, I, I'm going to be honest. I gave the Flames zero, uh, like zero credit in that. I thought... I thought if they're going to start Riddich, that's an interesting look. And to be honest, I didn't really have a lot of faith in Cam Talbot. So I thought we were going to, you know, have a little bit more of an offensive explosion against the Flames. And then to see him do what he did in that game three with that 2 nothing shutout, like that was so frustrating to watch. Like, like I left that game just so just downtrodden, I guess. Like that, that it was just a... I felt like that was a spirit killing game because that's a game we should have won. And I think Talbot stole one for the flames there. Oh, absolutely. Right. I'm watching that. I'm watching that game on the East coast. I've stayed up to watch all 60 minutes of it. And it's one in the morning now. And I just watched the stars lose one, nothing to cam Talbot. Are you kidding me? Uh, It it definitely was frustrating to, to watch for sure. And I think it, it just shows like, even this whole series, like I know we've, we've scored five goals twice now. Like our offense at times still just has such difficulty generating high quality chances. Yeah, you know, and, and going into today's game, and, and speaking of the offense that you were just talking about, going into today's game, Dallas had allowed the opening goal in 11 straight games. Today, Dallas scores first. Do you think that played a factor in... Um, the outcome of today's game or, or the, the style of play that Dallas was able to play today? I think any time you're able to score first, it it gives you an advantage, right? Uh, I, I, like any time you're able to take a lead on your opponent, you have an advantage. I think that that's pretty obvious. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to build from it because to be honest – I thought after the Flames scored that shorthanded goal and then we had the goal called back today, I thought that I thought those were all backbreakers. Like those are just spirit killing moments, like giving up a shorthanded goal like that. And so there were I give the stars credit. There were a lot of moments in this game where they could have given up or or been frustrated and sort of let things slip away from them but they were able to buckle down and you know kind of keep chipping away at it and you know eventually able to tie it up and and get the win there but you know I don't know if 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 scoring first this game will carry over to the next game I think at this point we're just looking to score any goals at this point we don't really care when they come now speaking of scoring goals I've been extremely extremely impressed with the defense on the Dallas Stars, and not so much, not the, not so much for their defensive capabilities, but what they can bring to your offensive capabilities of this team. 
your top four with Lindell, Klingberg, Linciak, and Heiskanen are as good as there is in the National Hockey League as far as I'm concerned. Talk to me a little bit about how important that is um, in this postseason for Dallas. Well, our, our defense is huge. If they're not going, the team's not going. They are the heartbeat of this team. They are what everything flows through. Like, even our offense, like, our defense has fingerprints all over, you know, how we generate chances. Um, if you want me to go on a rant about Miro Heiskanen, that kid is unreal he's gonna win the Norris someday he is like his skating through the neutral zone he's able he's a one-man breakout machine he can skate the puck through your players into the offensive zone he can send a stretch pass to the offense and get get it moving he's a threat from the point he can he's got some nice hands so he can walk around people at the point to open up shooting lanes and John Klingberg is just a smart just a smart offensive hockey player. He he knows how to get the puck through, and he knows when to do it. Um, you know, and, and then I think they are obviously our two flashiest defensemen, Alexiak and Klingberg, but you can't forget about the, the, the second half of each of their lines because without Alexiak and Lindell on those lines – they're they're not able to to play their style of game. Alexiak and Lindell can take a lot of the, the you know the the forechecking and the checking side of the game, and they're able to alleviate some pressure and get some room for Klingberg and Heiskanen to then skate at them. And anytime you have you know four guys or five guys in a rush, lead leading the way is Heiskanen. Like that's a that's a pretty dangerous offensive chance if you're defense are able to jump in every single time and with them split up we're able to roll them almost half to almost all of the game you have at least one of them on the ice and that's huge for the stars yeah it's definitely been a factor in this series and uh um, a, a big fear for the flames and myself every time one of those guys winds it up and, and heads through the neutral zone um the dallas stars today in game four had five straight power plays which I didn't think that was physically possible in the playoffs, but evidently it is. They scored on one of them and allowed a shorty on one of them. I felt like that was the biggest momentum change of today's game. Do you agree? A hundred percent. That, like I said, I thought the game was over. I thought you guys had scored that shorthanded goal and we were going to like, like I felt the air leave the building and I'm not even in the building after that one goes in. And that's the third straight game with a shorthanded goal, I believe. Like that, like that's, yeah, it is. You, you can't like that's, especially with the people we have out there. Like you, that you can't have that happen. Like that's such a killer. That, that's such a spirit breaker. That letting that in. Uh, your opinion on the goalie interference call? Do you agree or disagree? So, I mean, I think it's the right call. I mean, because I, I saw it and we scored and I jumped up and I celebrated. And then I sat back down and they showed the replay and I was like, they're going to call it back before they'd even called the coach's challenge. I saw Perry, like they showed the overhead view and Perry's just planted like dead in the blue paint. And it's a good call. It does like, it's not a goal, but it was just, it's, it's always frustrating to watch because like, especially looking at that, at that point, that's the tying goal right there. And, you know, that could have potentially been the 3-1 series lead, you know, decision for Calgary. Luckily, we were able to tie it back up, but I think it's the right call. Yeah, I, I, that was a one time um, when uh, 
I was like, okay, that one's a pretty cut and dried goalie interference. And I felt pretty, pretty confident it was going to get called back. And then when the, the way the official announced that it was a no goal, like I can't remember what his first word he used was, but incidental, I believe was the word he used. Or I'm thinking you have, I would have had a stroke. I thought they were going to call it a goal. And I'm just like, no. So yeah, it was another roller coaster emotion, just like game two was when Calgary came back and then allows a goal late. Um, this series has been just been a goofy one in, in a lot of different ways. Um, we talked a little bit about who Calgary feared and who I feared with Sagan. Um, when you looked at this series, um, who who did you fear going into the series on Calgary, and who's impressed you the most on Calgary? Um, I. Th- think the easy answer for before the series starts is Goudreau just because right he's got that offense ability to explode but to be honest I think I think the correct pick for who who feared me most going into this was probably Elias Lindholm um I you know Goudreau Goudreau doesn't have a ton of um success in the playoffs I think the playoffs are are a really intense style and physical style of play and I mean Listen, I, I don't want to hit on him because he's small, but I feel like he's he just has a difficulty playing through that, you know, that that tough checking that is just every game, right? Regular season, you're going to have games that are a little bit looser, but every game is going to be tight checking. And I think that 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 hinders Goudreau a little bit. So I think uh, Lindholm will probably be your, your most dangerous because I, I think he's just – he's quietly very consistent and very dangerous. Um, but I think who has impressed me most – Oh God, it, it hurts me. Like my insides physically hurt from saying this, but I think it's got to either be between, I mean, oh, I'll say Cam Talbot just so I was going to say Bennett, oh. but I, I think I have to say Talbot. Yeah. Well, Talbot's been good. Um, I don't know that I wouldn't say Bennett. I mean, Talbot was better in the first series, but I don't know if you can say anybody's been better on the flames than uh, Sam Bennett boy. That guy's uh He's a one-man just, wrecking machine out there and two cuts. I can't believe that today. line, that line is playing so well with Lucic on it. Like I look at that line on paper and that's just an anchor line. I they I work hard. believe it's doing so they well. They work hard. You know, you talked about Johnny Gaudreau and, and I'm Johnny Gaudreau's biggest critic. And um, I noticed one thing though today and everybody's going to say Johnny Gaudreau was better today. They they are because they're going to remember the two opportunities he had in overtime. And, uh, yeah, and they're going to say, well, Johnny Gaudreau looked better when the game mo- mo- you know, meant the most, and that's overtime. Well, Johnny Gaudreau looks better in overtime. You want to know why? Because the game gets softer in overtime. Players won't go out of their way to make a hit because they're worried about making a mistake. So the game isn't as heavy in overtime as it is in, in, in a regular period in, in the playoffs, and um, that's one of the reasons why Johnny Gaudreau gets a little bit more room when it comes to, to overtime in the playoffs. But... Um, Today's game ties this series back up at, at two to two. And so now we're down to a best of three. How much momentum will Dallas carry into game five with this huge overtime win today? Well, I think they have to. They have to use what they, they learned and, and how they felt today if they want to have success in the next game. Like they tied it up with 11 seconds left. Pavelski had a hat trick. And then they won it on overtime. Like, like that has all the recipes to ignite a fire in a team. And I just really hope. And like you said, I think like the stars sort of figured out 
how to play in that overtime and a little bit near that back half of that third period. So I'm hoping they're able to look at, you know, where they had success against the flames in this game and they're able to take the emotions from this game and they're able to package it into a better game five. Now the Dallas stars are the oldest team in the playoffs right now. It seems like we've had with this condensed playoff and in the bubble scheduling, um, I don't know if it technically has compared to other years, but they don't have that travel day, I guess. But it seems like more games have been jammed into a, into a tighter time frame. Um, will that be a factor for this team with their age? Uh, I think that, to be honest, I think the older, more veteran teams probably benefited the most from having the break in between. Like you look at a team like Chicago, if Chicago had gone straight into the playoffs right now, I don't think they beat Edmonton in round one, but they had a little bit of time to rest. Their veterans were able to catch their breath and they're able to come at this, you know, a little bit fresher than you would going out of a a regular, regular season. And so I think the same thing is true here for the stars. I think Pavelski, Perry, and all those guys, um, they, they've been able to have a rest. They've been able to, to catch their breath a little bit, spend some time with their family. And I think that that was, I think they aren't as slow right now as they would be going into regular playoffs. So I'm hoping that that break, they were able to all catch up and, you know, get their stamina a little bit better and they're able to, you know, last through these playoffs. And I think also, they're like you said, they're the oldest team in these playoffs. They're the veterans. They also should know how to pace themselves a little bit and when to push it and when to let off the gas. So I'm hoping that that, that helps a little bit more. They're able to, uh, you know, maybe outsmart their opponents with when to push and when not to. How important um, to this series was the Matthew Kachuk injury? Huge. I think that's huge. Uh, one, because it, you know, it stopped all of us from seeing the, the Kachuk Perry bowl, which I like they fought in game one. So which was garbage. I, I don't I understand mean, why Kachuk even took that fight. Um, Cause what's Perry doing? Like what has Perry got to prove? Like, I don't, I don't think, know. That's a, that fight surprised me. I don't know why. Cause I mean like Matthew Kachuk's not a fighter to start with. Like he's had like, Five fights this year, and all of them had to do with the freaking Cassian thing. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I wouldn't say Perry is a fighter either. To be honest, well, I think Chuck and Perry play, or or at least back when Perry wasn't so old. They, in, they're mirror in, images of each other. Yeah, they play that 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 pesky sort of speed skill, but they're bigger. I would say Brad Marchand, but Brad Marchand's is pretty small, so Perry and Kachuk are able to throw their weight around a little bit more. So I think that we're, we're missing out on a lot of dirtiness from the series, or at least a little bit. Cause I, I feel like, right. Cause if Kachuk starts, you know, doing his thing to our team, Perry or vice versa is just going to take that as a green light to, to go one step further. And I feel like there'd almost be like an escalation of arms race in just being that pest, uh, that pest on the ice for the both of them. So I think with, Kachuk out, Perry has been able to focus more on uh, his checking role and and playing well as opposed to the other shenanigans that maybe he would get involved in if Kachuk was in, in the game. Your take on the spear to the nuts of Kachuk from Jamie Benn? I don't think it was on purpose. <laughs> You're going to hate me for saying that, but... How do you not... How do you accidentally spear somebody? 
okay. Here's the thing. So it was directly off of a face-off, yep. right? So I think it's one of those plays, right? You're lining up next to the guy for the face-off. They drop the puck. The Stars won, or I don't remember whose zone it was in, but so they won the face-off back. It went back to the point, not into the defensive zone. And Jamie Ben, you know, I think he puts his stick out to hamper Kachuk, you know, to, to, to slow him. And, you know, he's coming up to dig into it, and he just gets him. Ah. I don't think he was aiming for it. I listen. I think he he definitely meant to hamper his progress and to you know maybe give him a whack. I don't think he meant to whack him in the nuts. Just like I, I don't think he he meant to do it. To be honest, I'd be more mad about the the Jamie sandwich he suffered later in the game. No, that was a check though. Like I don't mind checks. I don't like stick work, and. I, 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 I see where you're coming from on, on that. But you know how I would have handled it if I was Calgary? How? We don't need Zach Ronaldo. I would have had Zach Ronaldo completely drill. I don't know if I would have went after Ben because, quite honestly, I don't even care if Ben's in the lineup because he hit so far, and I better knock on wood quick here. But he hasn't <laughs> been all that big of a factor. But I would have sent Ronaldo in to completely obliterate one of your young defensemen. Um, I don't know. I think it was one of those accidentally on purpose things. Um, yeah, I, listen, actually, I definitely it, think he was trying to do something, but I don't think that's what he was trying to do. What surprised me the most on that, though, is that's garbage I, I would expect from Perry. Yes, yes. Not and Ben. I, I'm surprised. I thought there would be a lot more heat. I guess there's been some pushing. And there hasn't and stuff, been as much but, though. It's but been that's soft. What I, thought. I thought like a series with Perry Kachuk, you guys actively employ Zach Ronaldo. Which well, we didn't, at, we don't want Ronaldo out there. We don't have a choice. I mean, I thought Jankowski's not I, very good. So I thought there'd be a lot more bad blood in this series. I thought there'd be a lot more big hits and nastiness. And to be honest, we haven't, we've just seen some pretty sloppy hockey, but it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it's definitely been an, an interesting, interesting series. And uh, yeah, I guess we just summed it up with the first sentence. It's been a roller coaster of emotions on both sides, and now we're down to the best of three. And I guess, you know, when I looked at this series, um, I knew this was going to go at least six, so I guess um, I guess we really shouldn't be surprised. And I said game one was huge, and I said game three was huge, and I said game four was huge, and every game is huge. Huge when it comes to the playoffs, but I expect a, a, a pretty good um, games on Tuesday and Thursday for sure. Um, it's going to be a, a good wild race at the end of this series, and I don't doubt that uh, we have a date Saturday night to uh, to watch a game seven in this one. Yeah, listen, I I think I think we're going to get that game seven. I think this this unless someone can really figure it out, because that's the thing with this series right now is I'm looking at this and both hockey teams aren't playing super great hockey or inspired hockey. But all it takes is one of them to show up one game and be like, hey, we know how to do this now. And then it's over for the other team. But as long as both teams are sort of in this, like, how are we going to do this, uh, you know, state, it's going to be the same hockey. And I, and I think it's going to go seven. And it's going to be an intense intense series that's definitely been exciting so far um i don't know this one's taking a couple of years off my life i think with it back and forth and last second goals and all the craziness but uh yeah it's definitely um exciting and you know what the best thing of all is we have hockey back after what we went through for three months so 
Um, good visiting with you. It's always good visiting with you. And uh, yeah, next week, let's, uh, let's fire up and do the same and uh, break down this entire series, um, which we both agree is going to be a long one and a good one. Thanks again for joining the show and uh, have a great week watching Stars Flames. I'd, I'd wish you good luck, but uh, I don't think we can do that right now. We better so thanks not. For ha- thanks for having me. <laughs> and once again, that was Brad Brood from the Flames Unfiltered podcast. A big shout out to him for taking the time to sit down and talk with me after that heartbreaking loss on his part. Uh, in the Dallas Stars Calgary Flames 5-4 game there and I'm looking forward to talking with him next week hopefully he will be in an even worse mood this time when the Dallas Stars beat the Calgary Flames in round one I hope I'm not jinxing that I'm going to be knocking on a ton of wood hopefully that is able to come to fruition later this week and we'll be able to meet up with him and we can break down the series in its entirety if you want to follow him on Twitter, that is at Flames Unfiltered on Twitter to follow along with him on Twitter. He likes to tweet out and yell about his disappointment as much as I do in between periods of game. So be sure to follow him there. Uh, just some quick notes. I thought we'd take a quick look around at the rest of the league and how the playoffs are going. The Vegas Golden Knights and Chicago Blackhawks, at the time I'm recording this, the Vegas Golden Knights are leading that series 3 to nothing, with the opportunity to sweep that series later tonight when I'm recording this. Colorado is beating Arizona in two, two games to one. Vancouver is beating the defending Stanley Cup champions 2 to nothing. Tampa Bay and Columbus, Tampa Bay is up 2-1. Philadelphia versus Montreal, the series is tied 1-1 after an impressive 5-0 win for the Habs over the Flyers. The New York Islanders have the Washington Capitals in a stranglehold with a 3-0 game lead on that series. And Boston and Carolina, Boston is up 2-1 in that series. And that is going to do it for this episode of A Clean Skate Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Be sure to subscribe and like and comment on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this. If you could subscribe to this podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network, that would be fantastic. And if you want to follow this podcast on Twitter so you can hear me yell about my disappointment on the internet, that is at CleanSkatePod on Twitter. And I will talk to you cowpokes when the Dallas Stars win round one.